You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Phil Nelson. I'm the lead pastor here. We're so glad that you're here for our Christmas celebration Sunday service. And uh, we're just going to jump right on in. Um, We are in this uh, three-week Christmas series called A Christmas Fulfilled. And in week one, we looked at the entire Old Testament and how Jesus Christ, God incarnate, fulfilled the entire Old Testament. Everything that needed to be fulfilled to take the place as the Son of God, the Holy One, the Righteous One, the Messiah, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the One who rules on David's throne. This is Jesus Christ our King. And He has fulfilled everything that is needed to become the sacrifice, to pay the penalty of our death for us. He fulfilled it all. And if you look at the prophecies fulfilled by Jesus, the astronomical odds of only two of them, let alone one of them being fulfilled, is impossible. And how many know that what's impossible for man is possible for God? There is nothing, as Mary said, there is nothing impossible for our God. And then last week, We looked at the simplicity of Jesus. Jesus is as simple as it comes. And yet He changes everything. We looked at the simplicity of how He came as a meek and lowly child in flesh. He who knew no sin became sin for us that He may make us right with God. We looked at the simplicity of how he lived his life through prayer, obedience, and unconditional love. And then we looked at his instructions for us. The great commission and the great commandments was to love God with everything and to love others as we love ourselves. Are you living out that simple call of life? Because we cannot have a fulfilled Christmas and a fulfilled New Year and a fulfilled life if Christ hasn't fulfilled everything and if Christ hasn't become the center of your life. And so today, we're going to look at the gifts we treasure. The gifts we treasure. Obviously, since this Christmas wraps itself, pun intended, around the theme of gifts, we're going to look at gifts that God has given us. And we're going to see them actually in the Old Testament. And then we're going to see what the greatest gift of all is for each of us. And how that can be applied and lived out to our lives. And so let's just even look at the first gift today. I have some props for you. I like props. And uh, anyone uh, all done wrapping gifts? No one? Some? Okay, good. Anyone done wrapping gifts like three weeks ago? Okay, all right. 
I was going to make you stand and we all just say, boo. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Anyone not wrapped at all? Okay, you're going to have a busy week. Okay, so uh, gift number one is going to take us all the way back to the very beginning, to Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And we've looked at this through our Line It Up series. If you're new here and you would love to kind of see where we stand in the Bible and and catch up from all the messages, we did a series uh, in the fall called Line It Up. And this is all the major principles and stories in the Old Testament that line up to Jesus. And that's why we're in the series we are in today. And so we go all the way back to the garden. And it was absolutely perfect. There was no sin. There was no death. That is very important. There was no death, no thorns or thistles. Everything was perfect. And our union with God was complete. We had full access to His presence, and His presence was all around us, all-encompassing in our very breath. And then sin came along. Adam and Eve exchanged the truth of God that God gave them, gave them everything. And yet they exchanged the lie, or excuse me, they changed the truth of God for a lie that God was holding out on them. And that they themselves could be like God when the truth was they already were. And so they fell and they disobeyed and they rejected God and they opened Pandora's box of a curse that is over the entire world and it's called our sin nature. Now God kicked them out of the most holy place, the garden. God cannot be in the same place of sin and fallen humankind. That's not his nature. His nature is holiness. His nature is perfection. His nature is righteousness. He cannot operate outside of his nature. And so he cannot tolerate sin. And so before kicking Adam and Eve out of his presence, he had a promise for them. And it's in this gift that he gave them. Anyone guess what this gift might be? (laughs) It's a wool sweater. He sacrificed the very first life in all of creation, which was a lamb. A perfect, spotless lamb. Because the curse had not defected everything yet. And he clothed Adam and Eve with the hide of the first sacrifice. Did you notice the very first life that was ever taken was a lamb? A lamb pointing to the scripture in Hebrews where it says, Before the foundations of the world, Christ, the Lamb of God, was slain. And God covered Adam and Eve from their shame and from their guilt. Now they were still filled with the sin nature and they still carried out the corruption and separation and death into the world. But they always had a promise that if their eyes are fixed on God, that He would clothe them. And He always, through the Old Testament, always points back 
that he will one day not clothe us with, with, the, with the wool of a sheep, of a lamb, but he will clothe us with the precious blood of the lamb that covers all sin. We then travel down a little bit to our next gift. And it leads us to a time when we see humanity and its sin and the worldly corruption at an all-time high. And God is absolutely fed up, completely done with the world as they knew it. He destroyed the entire earth with a flood. But he gave a gift. Any smart theologian know the gift? Any guesses? Not the rainbow. A boat. He gave Noah and his family, which were the only family on planet earth that trusted Jehovah. And he called them to do the impossible. There was never rain on the earth. To by faith build a ginormous ship that would hold one family and then two of every kind of animal. Because God wasn't completely done with the world. He was just pointing to a new beginning. A new beginning. Now, I wish that was the end of the story and all mankind got their act together and received forgiveness, but man still had the curse of the sin nature upon them. What I want you to understand is you cannot act outside of your nature. And every single man and woman, boy and girl, has a sin nature implanted in them before they're even conceived in their mother's womb. And while they're being conceived, as King David said in Psalms 51, in sin my mother conceived me. Meaning that when we're formed in an earthly body, we inhabit the sin's curse. So it should start to make sense to us why the people in the Bible and while we look in the mirror and the people around us, why they keep doing the stupid things that we do. Why do you think Jesus called us sheep? <laughs> right? We can't act outside of our sin nature. And that's what we see time and time again. But what we see over and over and over is that God loves us. He did not give up on us. He has not gone anywhere. He has a plan for our lives. And so the third gift that we're going to look at today comes into play again when God's people were worshiping Him and loving Him and seeing the benefits and the blessings of being with God because God wanted to be with man, but He couldn't because of sin. But He always provided a way. But unfortunately, God's people again rejected Him and went the way of the world, worshiping the creation rather than the Creator. And we see them then in captivity enslaved by Egypt for over 400 years. This was a huge, desperate season God's people found themselves in. 
Things went from bad to worse. And then God heard their cry as we see over and over and over and over again in the pattern of the Bible. And he answers them and he brings them a gift. Can anyone guess this gift that God brings to those who are enslaved for over 400 years in Egypt? Some of you might say a lamb, but I'm going to go a different direction with this little story. We have a toddler's uh, plane, helicopter. And what God did is he said he was going to deal with Pharaoh and the anger of sin on Egypt. But he was, he was having a plan to save God's people, the Israelites, who would trust him and obey him what he said. And so he provided spotless lambs. And they were to sacrifice that lamb. And they were to put the blood of that lamb over the doorpost of their homes. Then they took what was left of the lamb and cooked it and ate and consumed it. So saying that, the lamb that represented the sacrifice that God was giving, the lamb was the centerpiece of every Israelite home that evening. Then while everyone was asleep, the angel of death came through. And it flew over in Egypt. And every house that had the Lamb's blood posted over it, the angel of death would fly and pass right over. And they woke up that bloody morning to cries of all Egyptians losing their first son. And all the people of Israel who trusted God and did what He said were delivered and rescued from the hand of God to the point where God led them out of Egypt onto dry ground through the Red Sea into freedom. And just a little bit after the the Red Sea closed in on the enemy, the Israelites were free. And God told them, I have a promised land planned for you. And it was only going to take probably several weeks, if not a few months, to travel. Do you know how many years they stayed in the wilderness? Forty years. Every single Israelite that crossed the Red Sea and promised a land for them did not see the promised land because of their lack of faith. They dwelled in wilderness. They complained. They murmured. They doubted. All the while, God had a promised land waiting for them. And it was only because a few young men named Caleb and Joshua saw what the Lord had planned, that they trusted that the Lord would give them the promised land. And so God gave them a gift. Anyone know? What did he say about the promised land? It was filled with milk and honey. And it was organic milk. Milk and honey flowed. What does that mean? That he had everything planned out and he would provide every need that the Israelites had. So what what do we do with all this? 
What, what do we do with all these gifts that we see that God has given us in the Old Testament that all point to saving us and rescuing us? Every gift was about the rescue plan that God had. But it always fell short because our sin nature was never dealt with. And that's why you can take all of the wonderful gifts of salvation and deliverance that God has given us in the Old Testament and we can throw them on in, all of them, and we can always find that God's amazing gift for all of us is found in the precious Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who takes away the sins of the world. This is the gift that keeps on giving. This is the gift that changes your life. This is the gift that is to be treasured above all gifts. Jesus didn't just come to bring the kingdom of God. He came to bring you with him and to change you. And we need to see that. Jesus became our sin. So he set us free on the cross in this gift. He set us free from sin that all of us have in our sin nature. He saved us from ourselves. He saved us from the curse of sin, which is death. And He saved us so that we might live forevermore with Him. Many Christians think that when we die, we just go to heaven with clouds and harps and angels sitting on clouds. Heaven's not our home. The kingdom of God is our home. We will be in heaven in his presence, but when Jesus comes and he brings a new earth and a new heaven, we will reign on the new earth with him. That is amazing. We just think that Jesus is the gift that gets us out of hell free. Right? No. No. Jesus is everything. And so I want to focus just a little bit on the gift of Jesus. And we're going to read that in Matthew chapter 1. If you have your Bibles or your phones, go ahead and go to Matthew 1. Matthew chapter 1, it's the first gospel in the New Testament. And it starts with verse 19. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Uh, forgive me. Keep that up there, Josh. I'm going to just read a little bit, and then I will come to that. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in the, this way. When his mother Mary had betrothed Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and an unwilling to put her to shame... The cost of that sin, by the way, was death. They were ready to stone Mary. And so we see, but he considered these things. And behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, 
She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill, say fulfill, fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. We see and behold the virgin. This is hundreds of years before this ever happened. Before a ver a, um, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And let's look at Matthew 13, verse 44 to 46. Now Jesus is in his ministry. He's 30-something. He's talking about the kingdom, and he's referring to what he is about to do on the cross for us. And he says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy he went and sold everything and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. And this is what Jesus then follows up. He says in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, he says this, do not store treasures on earth where moss and vermin destroy. I think this is a little different translation, so I apologize. And where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What does this all have to do with the gift of Jesus Christ? It is all this. You can have the gift of Jesus Christ, but if you don't treasure Him as the most priceless gift, you will not experience the gift of freedom and abundant life that He has for you. You see, we get into Christianity and we say a little prayer and we believe and we, we go through the Christian motions and we get into a Bible study and, and we do all these things, but we treasure everything in our life and this world way more than we treasure Jesus. I don't know about you, but I remember when I was seven years old and I went to the altar almost every Sunday and this Sunday was different. I knew that something in young Philip, Joseph Nelson, had to die. Something had to change. And it was the sin in my life that I had to give to Jesus. And I remember, I was seven years old, I remember when the Holy Spirit came and filled my life. I remember when the joy and the love of Jesus oozed out of me. I would literally, my neighborhood got sick of me. I would go door to door telling them about the love of Jesus because I couldn't stop talking about it. Jesus is the most treasured gift and yet we live our lives like the gift is useless. And so friends, in order for the gift of Jesus to have its life-changing effect on you, on me, in us, and through us. Jesus has to be what you treasure most. Look at 1 John. John the Beloved said this in chapter 2. 
verse 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things of, in the world. Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. Jesus also said, if you want to be my disciple, you must die. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. What's that? Your life. Your sacrifice. Your humility. The same cross that Jesus picked up when he died for you. He says, you're not living for yourself anymore. Yourself was stained with the sin's curse. It is dead. But through the Holy Spirit, we can have new life through Jesus Christ. And that is where life change happens. Do not love this world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So let me ask you a few questions. Zeke, could you give me the prop bin for a minute? What pleases God? What pleases God? Well, the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. So what is faith? Well, in Hebrews 11, it tells us that faith is the assurance or confidence of the things we can't see. And the things that we hoped for will come to pass. But we please God the most when we treasure Jesus. That's how we please God. Because God gave Jesus, God in flesh, the Son of God, the member in the, in, in the Godhead, gave Him to us as a gift and we are to treasure that. Last week we talked about the simplicity of Jesus. And the thing that we are to do to find fulfillment in life is to abide in Jesus. That's talking about treasuring Jesus. You see, what you value and treasure most, that is what you prior prioritize. You want to know who's, or you want to know uh, the treasure in someone's life? Look at the gifts they purchase for that. Look at the time they spend. Look at their schedule. Look at their priorities. We are to treasure Jesus by keeping Jesus the center of everything. And so in order to abide in Jesus, remain in Jesus, in order for that to become a reality, Jesus must be number one in your life. Changes everything. And in order for Christ to become number one, we have much arranging to do with our priorities, don't we? And so I want to bring this to an application for you. If Jesus is that treasured gift, as we read in the Gospels, that type of gift that when someone finds it, they sell everything they have, they lose everything in order to gain that one treasured gift. 
Do you see Jesus as that hope for your life? That you could lose everything that you own. You could lose your dignity, your identity. And yet Jesus, who is your everything, is all you need. And so I want to bring it to your front door this Christmas season. And we're going to look at three things. Number one, I have a pocket filled with keys. Some of these keys, I don't even know where they belong to, what they go to, because I haven't used that key in so long. And just like this keychain filled with keys, we have all these different compartments in our lives. All our personality, our desires, our memories, our past, our present, our children, our family, our possessions, your deepest dreams, visions, and agendas for your life. Everyone has many compartments in their life. And I want to ask you, have you surrendered every compartment of your life to Jesus? Or are you surrounding your life and then saying, Jesus, you can fit here and you can fit here. And I want Jesus, I want you here, but not here. You see, salvation is the opposite. We must die to everything in our lives in order to find resurrection life in Jesus. Are you willing to surrender every area of your life to the treasured gift of Jesus. Secondly, everyone has the same amount of this time. Everyone's got them. Same amount of time. No one has more and no one has less. Is your time dictated by your life, your needs, your wants? your agenda, or is your time surrendered to Jesus? Your life, when your time is surrendered and devoted to Jesus, will look completely different from one who may claim Jesus as Lord, but doesn't surrender their time to Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about for 24 hours straight, you're just on your knees in a dark closet praying. What I'm saying is, is your time Jesus' time? Are you allowing Him to literally show up and bring His presence into every second, minute, and hour of your day? I know for me, for many years, I lived my life with putting Jesus on a shelf. And when I needed Him, and when I couldn't figure something out or things went wrong, that's when I would take him off and dust him off and then plead with God to change the situation. Jesus is the treasured gift because he is everything. He is everything you need. And so lastly, the possessions of the world the governments 
of the world. The things that our flesh desires. Our entertainment. Devices, material, wealth, job, our status, our dreams for our children. Have you laid your future into the hands of Jesus? I'd like for you to bow your heads if you don't mind as the band comes up. And I just want you to take a quick inventory of where the treasured gift of Jesus is in your life. Maybe you're hearing my voice and you have never trusted in Jesus. And you feel that tug in your spirit that it's time. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I give up. I can't live this life on my own anymore. I need you to save me. I need you to forgive me. And I need you to come into my life. Jesus promises that when we confess our sin and we confess that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we will be born again, made new. And you can start a life filled with the Holy Spirit, the life of God, set free from the chains of sin and death. And to live each moment of this life with Jesus. He doesn't promise that things aren't going to be easy, that things are going to be easy. He promised, he even says that in this life you will have trials and tribulations, but take heart, I've overcome the world. For those of you who have accepted Jesus, and you proclaim to others that you follow Jesus, does your life reflect that? Is Jesus the center? Band, you can come on up. I just want to give you a moment to engage with God. And treasure Jesus. I'd like to just lead us, lead you, but I want you to engage. But to love on Jesus is just something like this Jesus. There's no one like you. Jesus, there's nothing greater than knowing you. And Jesus, forgive me for not treasuring you and not putting you in the center of everything in my life. Forgive me, God. Forgive me of my earthly pursuits. I want to live for you and you alone. Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you to make me new. I need you to give me the mind of Jesus. 
I need you to counsel me and guide me and strengthen me. Jesus, help me die to everything earthly inside of me. And help me to live in the peace of your presence, in the joy of your spirit, in the strength of your word, and in the fruit of the spirit. Jesus, bring us fulfillment by being the center of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.